I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, I'm going to start today's episode a little bit differently on a personal whim. Last week's episode, I was speaking to a company named after the honey badger, which is an animal that is always out there in the wild looking for honeycomb. So before we actually get into the meat of our discussion, George Cook, what inspired the Honeycomb credit name? So without giving too much away about the business model, we have a community sourced capital model for small businesses. And so in grad school, when one of my co-founders and I were brainstorming on, on how to put a name to this concept, we kept coming back to bees building a hive together. And so we were workshopping all sort of bee themed names. And our classmates told us, well, well, bees are scary. Don't don't pick a name that focuses too much on the bee because they sting you. And so we went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, what, what are the what are the fun parts of the bee? What is the actual thing that they're building together? And so we landed on honeycomb, the community coming together to build something collaboratively. A honeybee colony needs tens of thousands of bees to work together, each with a definite task to perform each both dependent on and integral to the work of the others. In some ways, the communities in which we live are similar. That little coffee shop on the corner, the independent bookstore, the craft brewery down the road. We are dependent on their goods and services, while our money is integral to the work they do. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. George Cook, CEO and co-founder of Honeycomb Credit. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brendan. Before we talk about Honeycomb, let's talk about the times we're in at the moment. Interesting times in the labor market, if you look at employment and what we've gone through with the dips and the peaks through the pandemic and the recovery. In a different timeline, there would be a George Cook at the Bureau of Labor Statistics with a little bit more gray hair still working on these numbers. So what was your early career like? Yeah, so my family's been running a community bank in rural Appalachia for 130 years. I grew up in the family business. I spent a lot of time working there, doing all the jobs, everything from from working the teller line, uh, but really started to fall in love with with commercial lending. Ultimately, in in undergraduate, I, I studied economics and statistics, and for a brief moment, decided I wanted to be an economist. So I, I pursued that dream. I went over to the Bureau of Labor Statistics as, as my first job. I was, as near as I can tell, the only economist in the entire U.S. government who was studying labor data in China, which is a pretty big problem to tackle. And so I was getting calls from senators' offices and congressmen's offices and lots of media inquiries about the data we were putting together. Fascinating, really enjoyed that work and, and take a lot of that with me. But pretty quickly into that process, I, I learned I was not made to be a bureaucrat. You went from there to TransUnion, which we all know, and then from TransUnion to Zest, which I'm imagining it you know, in the AI world is probably feeling fairly entrepreneurial, but still 
you were an employee there. What was the spark that got you to decide, I'm actually going to take that big leap from a small company employee to actually starting my own business with Honeycomb? Yeah, it's interesting. I think coming out of the federal government and going to TransUnion was really following my my passion for data and and, uh, being very analytical, but applying that to an industry that I was equally passionate about. Uh, Having been in the community banking space for a while, I I was always very interested in the underlying data behind it and, and how you build products around that data. That led me over to, to Zest AI, who was working on the machine learning side of the house. So kind of taking some of the huge data sets that TransUnion and others were putting together and bringing in alternative data sets and, and building some really powerful, exciting products to help banks make faster lending decisions. You know, these are the early days of machine learning on the bleeding edge there and fundamentally making consumer lending better. We were making faster, smarter lending decisions that benefited a lot of consumers. But I started to see this theme that the larger banks were taking these tools that we were building for consumer lending, and they were applying it to small business lending, to to commercial lending. And that really breaks down for for a couple of reasons. One, the, the average small business in the United States has less than three years of operating history. Two, there's no centralized database. There's no transunion for small business data. And thirdly, a, a coffee shop and a yoga studio and a manufacturing plant look so much different on paper that it's really hard to build a good algorithm that can tell you which one to lend to and which one not to. And so as the, the financial services industry was shifting from community banking to regional and, and national lenders and switching from this relationship banking model to this black box algorithm that I, that I was helping to build, I realized that we were doing a really big disservice to small businesses. And in fact, that you know, over that same time period, the amount of capital flowing from traditional banks to small businesses was down by almost 50%. So even though more small businesses are being formed, traditional banks are lending less to them in terms of loan volume. And, and that started to get me thinking about how I might join a, a startup or another company that was trying to solve this problem. I looked around a lot and I, I didn't see anyone that was solving it in a way that I thought was really equitable. It's funny, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, people that need to be their own boss, that feel really compelled to go out and, and start a company. That was not me. I was a very happy cog in the wheel. I, I enjoyed working at corporate America. I enjoyed working at a mid-sized startup. And really, it was just uh, kind of an alignment of my passions and a problem in the industry that I saw that no one was solving in a really satisfactory way. And some good mentors that pushed me into to take that leap and jump into the entrepreneurial world. Well, let's pick up from that then, because obviously, when you do speak to some of these entrepreneurs, you had this sort of glorious vision of what it would be like to be a founder who had this childhood dream of getting into entrepreneurship, even with them when you talk about those early days of building a business, they'll talk about sort of the crashing down to reality of how difficult it is actually to get a business off the ground. But as a slightly reluctant entrepreneur, a huge problem, enough to motivate you to to take this big risk. But then practically speaking, as you started to try and get Honeycomb off the ground in those early years, what was that founder experience like? What did you learn trying to build a business and get it going? I don't know if I could have just jumped straight into the deep end. I I, I dipped my toe in and, and sort of did it in a, in a very slow, methodical way. I had the great fortune of meeting one of my co-founders while we were in grad school. And I was coming from this 
kind of big macroeconomic perspective, just very frustrated about the, the small business lending environment. Meanwhile, Ken was coming from it as a small business owner. So while we were in grad school together, he was running a chain of coffee shops, trying to get an SBA loan, a small business administration loan for, for his coffee shops, and was having a really hard time doing it. Former investment banker, Ivy League MBA, really smart guy who was having a hard time navigating this very Byzantine, red tape burdened uh, industry and, and getting himself a bank loan. And so we, we sort of put our heads together and started to think through what a solution might look like. And it really started as an academic exercise. We had a marketing class and one of the professors said, well, you know, pick a startup idea that you might want to try and, and test out the market sizing concepts we learned in this class. And so we did it. And then we took a startup class and we took a strategy class and we started to just build on it. And every class we took, we said, oh, the, the market's really big. Oh, the, the strategy seems to work really well. The, the partnership focus, you know, this is, this is going to tie in really well to the existing ecosystem. It just started to check a lot of boxes of these frameworks we were learning in business school together. And by the end of business school, we were at this crossroads where we both had you know, attractive job offers in, in the financial services industry. Or do we go and take the leap and start Honeycomb? And we had a professor who pulled us aside and, and basically said, if you start Honeycomb, I will be the first check into the business. That was the, the confidence building and the motivation to, to take that leap and start it. And from there, we went into an accelerator program and built the product and, and got the myriad regulatory approvals we had to get to, to get it up and running. And it's been a journey from there, kind of a six and a half, seven year journey at, at this point. You're the sixth generation of community bankers in your family. Honeycomb, yeah, the very name you described at the start is all about community, but you've brought that forward to the modern day and what it means with current technology. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the products as such, how do you create and nurture the sense of community within uh, the product, within the philosophy? In a world where it's so easy to click three buttons on your mouse and, and have something delivered to your house, but through Amazon, how do we make sure that, that we're continuing to, to foster and build that community that is literally right out our front doors? And so for us, you know, it is helping business owners really activate this community of customers and fans and neighbors that they already have and level up those customers and turn them into evangelists for their business by getting them on board, getting them literally invested in the long-term success of these businesses. Maybe let's talk about that in practical terms. When you talk about helping the customers becoming sort of participants in these businesses, what does that actual product look like? How is the, the lending happening? Yeah, so, so Honeycomb is a community-sourced um, capital platform for small businesses who are looking to, to raise expansion capital to take their business to the next level. These are typically brick and mortar, main street small businesses, independently owned small businesses. Uh, but we also work with some e-commerce businesses as well, where their community might be more virtual, but still a very strong community. And so the way the experience looks and feels for a user, a business owner comes to Honeycomb, they apply online. They are submitting financial information, not dissimilar to what they're submitting to a bank or a traditional lender. We've got a, a pretty rigorous due diligence process. So we're vetting each of these businesses. We're evaluating their past financials. We're evaluating their business plan. 
And then if they're approved, we will invite them on to the Honeycomb platform. We will work with them to build a, a campaign page to share their offering with the world. It's not totally dissimilar from a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo campaign page, but really the whole idea here is that instead of donating $100 and hoping that the, the t-shirt comes in the mail, you're investing $100 or $1,000 and earning a really nice competitive return while at the same time supporting a business owner that has some meaning to you. Maybe it's a demographic group you want to support. Maybe they're in your local community. Maybe they're your favorite butcher, whatever it might be. Um, but really allowing individuals to, to earn a return, but to put their money to work in a way that is meaningful for them. You mentioned there the vetting. And I think what's key is in, we think of Kickstart, you know, it's got a, you know, a checkered history in terms of what products and, and services get put up there. and Sometimes the story can become the only focus and how, how motivating is that story for me to get involved, but we don't always know whether there's actual screening happening in the background. And I saw some some comparisons between yourselves and, and other players in this sort of broader space. And one of the things mentioned was the sort of level of vetting that happens, perhaps somewhat linked to your, your history in, in, in the credit world. But talk to me a little bit about how you screen the providers to make sure that the, the, the loans that they're taking are, well, I guess, fit for their purposes, but also to protect those that are um, putting the money in. What I realized when working in commercial lending at, at a small community bank is that when the small business comes to that community bank, whether consciously or subconsciously, the lender who is making the lending decision knows that business. They know if they open their shop on time. They know if they've shoveled their sidewalk in the winter. They know if the bakery makes a good baguette, right? And that information is working its way into the underwriting process. Now, that's not to say that the financials aren't important. The financials are critically important. And I think too often in the world of lending, people say, let's just do qualitative lending. Let's just evaluate if the, if the baguette is good or let's just look if the books are good. But the reality is to get a full holistic picture of the risk of a business, I believe that you have to look at both of those things. And I believe that in, in this consolidating banking industry that we have, it's really hard to get that qualitative data in a scalable way. It's hard to have boots on the ground in every corner of the country. It's hard to have this huge branch footprint that you're going to support. So instead, Honeycomb Secret Sauce is not so secret, we're, we're talking about it on a podcast, is, is this idea that if you can get local people who know the business the best to vote with their wallet, it creates this whole new element of bringing that qualitative data to bear, but only if they've passed certain quantitative thresholds. And so you know, specifically, we look very closely at past financial performance, we will occasionally work with startup businesses, but most of the businesses we work with have existing operating history. They've been up and running. We're looking at their business plan and how the business is trending. We're making sure they've got a clear head on their shoulders and a path to repayment. We're looking at debt service coverage ratios and, and, and total debt burden of these businesses. We're also taking into account some variables that others aren't looking at. So we are looking at online social media engagement. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For two different reasons. One, we want to make sure we're bringing businesses to the platform that have a network that they can tap into and are going to be successful. We, we want them to be successful and they want to be successful. We want to make sure we have a good user experience. But we also have identified that that's a really powerful risk indicator. Quality and volume of online reviews, quality of, of a customer engagement in digital spaces. It actually is helping to determine the risk of these businesses side by side with the more quantitative before we open it up fully to to the crowd to, to vote with their wallets. If you think about the work you've done with Honeycomb, you know, the loans that you've empowered, the, the funds that you've helped move to businesses, what are some of the impacts you've seen? What are some of the good success stories that people can look to? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because one of the, the discoveries we had is raising capital this way, raising capital from, from local community members is not just unlocking loans to, to populations that might be having a hard time getting loans from, from traditional sources, but it turns out to be really catalytic for these businesses at the same time, because there's a, a pretty dramatic behavior change. If you can tell your story in a really authentic way and share with the world what it means to open that new location or to buy that food truck, or to get this new piece of equipment so you can launch a second product line. And you can talk about what that means, not just to the business, but to you personally, as an entrepreneur, to your family, and share that message with your fans and your customers. They're going to come along on that ride with you, right? And many of them will financially come along on that ride with you by, by you know literally investing in the campaign. But we also find that a lot of people just emotionally come along on that ride as well. So by the end of a campaign, we're finding that these businesses now have dozens, if not hundreds of people who are coming along on that ride with them. And that's turning into real revenue for these businesses. The average Honeycomb customer is growing at about 10 to 15% a year before they come to Honeycomb. The year after they run a campaign, that growth rate is jumping to 60%. So it, it really is activating the local community. But beyond that, we're, we're helping them build their digital presence. Uh, online reviews are doubling year over year. Google News media mentions are going up 80% year over year. So they're really helping to build this digital footprint. They're really helping to tell their story in a way that resonates with the community, which is so important for, for these businesses to take that next step. That's been this tremendous unlock for us that it's not just the, the fact that we're able to, to 
activate capital in, in places that, that are often unable to get capital, but we're really able to, to help businesses get to that next level with the capital. I've seen you on, on LinkedIn sort of out and about in working in the brewery, sort of seeing what your customers are, are up to and really getting uh, your hands dirty there. What's the kind of philosophy there for you and your staff in terms of meeting the customers uh, where they are? For us, it's so critically important to understand the customer and, and what their day-to-day looks like because the people we're selling to are often the same people that are in the kitchen flipping the hamburgers, right? The, these are owner-operated businesses. They are busy. It's, it's literally in the name, right? The business is busy, right? They have a lot on their plate, literally and figuratively. And so for us, we, we have a philosophy to, to make sure that we're getting out and talking to our customers as much as humanly possible. We call it mojito. Nothing important happens in the office. And once a quarter, all of our employees have to get out and shadow a business owner for a day. Just follow a business owner around. Um, the last quarter, I shadowed one of my favorite restaurants and I showed up and it turns out the host had called in sick. And the business owner said, well, today was supposed to be my back office day. So George, you're the host. So I sat 200 tables. I was, I was going, going, going. Um, and it's, that, that's a day in the life, right? When we're calling that business owner, they're literally sitting at a table because their, their host showed up sick. We get so many really authentic learnings by getting out, sitting, standing, working side by side with business owners that hopefully help us create a better product to, to be really true to our mission, but also to, to make sure that we're building it in a way that resonates and, and can help these businesses grow and, and thrive. One of the common criticisms, sort of almost cliche, of the, the banking setup in, in a traditional world would be that the restaurant owner who knows running a restaurant so well, who can do every job there is in his restaurant, when he has to go to the bank, he's then got to go and walk into a completely alien world where nobody understands what he's doing. And they just want to look at the financials and it's quite intimidating and highly stressed. So by using the community, by becoming part of the community, you break down those walls and then people can talk a little bit more about what they need without their sort of fish out of water feeling that you would get if you go into sort of a, a marble uh, marble floored uh, bank uh, in the in the traditional world. Obviously, though, you know, you talk about these these increases in growth, 10% to 60% growth. It's always great for a business owner to do that, but you know we're in pretty rocky economic times at the moment. So more than ever, businesses want to have all engines firing here to you know make sure that they can survive these tricky times. If you think about Honeycomb and the communities you're a part of as you look forward for the rest of the year, what are you seeing your customers do and what are you doing to help those customers through these uh, volatile times? It's still, believe it or not, hard to, to find labor. Um, there's still labor shortages for, for a lot of, of independent businesses. Costs are, are continuing to, to, to go up. And at the same time, their customers are, are more jittery than they have been and, and are being more thoughtful about, about saving and, and spending less money out. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough time for business owners. From our perspective, there's a couple of things that we think about. One is how can we foster a community amongst our alumni businesses, so people that have raised money on the Honeycomb platform? How can we get them to share best practices with each other? I am not going to be able to, to offer advice to restaurateurs on, on how to better market their restaurant. 
However, other restaurateurs might be able to do that. And so creating opportunities and, and content for business owners to talk amongst each other, share best practices, to, to vent a little bit. But beyond that, from a, a macro perspective, at the first whiff of recession, the first lending that banks cut back on is small business lending. And we've already seen that happen, that, that banks are just not lending to businesses right now. What that means is you have a lot of, of super prime businesses, a lot of really, really credit worthy small businesses who might have a very long existing relationship with their traditional lender, but they can't rely on that relationship right now. They might be finding creative ways to grow through this uh, downturn, but they don't have the capital to be able to do that. And so it's a challenging time for small businesses. But at the same time, there, there are winners out there. There are businesses that are finding ways to grow and evolve and keep taping, taking steps forward through these challenging times. And the reality is they just don't have a lot of sources of capital to be able to make those pivots. So there's some interesting opportunities for Honeycomb to step up. Yeah, and I was just thinking of this as you were talking there, but it probably comes down to some extent about who are you important to? And as a small business looking for maybe $10,000, $50,000, $100,000 even, you're not that important to a big bank. So as a big bank looks to pull back, you know, they're not worried about whether they can give $50,000 here or there. But you're really important to that community you're part of. They value you for being there and providing the business. So also when we think about, you know, cost-benefit discussions that are happening in the back of people's minds, you want to be talking to somebody who values you and your community is foremost there. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to watch how that develops. Obviously for everybody involved, a slightly tricky time with the, the promise of better times ahead. But great to hear what's happening and really just great to hear such uh, impacts coming through from credit. You know, it's not always an industry with the, the cleanest of reputations and the best of impacts on its customers. So it's always nice to hear the sort of proper use of credit as a as a tool to build businesses that, that people appreciate to keep jobs uh, and money in local economies. Uh, yeah, more so than ever now when uh, times are tough. So George, thank you so much for your time. If people want to become a part of these communities, if people want to learn about Honeycomb, read some of the case studies, some of the content you put out there, where are the good places for them to go and follow your story and to learn more? Yeah, you can check us out at honeycombcredit.com. Perfect. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well. George, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Brendan. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show, and I'll see you again next Thursday. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.